You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. I'm just sitting up here talking to you. It feels like I know you, but it's like... I feel the same. We've only met one time, right? I know. I know. But something happens when you listen to voices and when you read a work. When you read a work, you have to spend hours with that person. Yeah. That's what it is. Because I feel like... It was like, I feel like I know you. Um, And Lauren is on here. So tell me this. Isn't it awesome and yet kind of eerie how you can meet someone just once and you have a bond with them like you've known them your entire lives? Well, that happened to me. The voice you heard earlier was that of one of my newest friends, Beth Moore. Beth is a best-selling author, evangelist, and Bible teacher who is the leader and founder of Living Proof Ministries. Living Proof Ministries is based out of Houston, Texas. Today, we're going to once again deal with a core topic that we continue to work through as an organization in our efforts as racial bridge builders. That topic is racial reconciliation. Our summation of biblical principle of reconciliation is the reordering of God's original plan for the restoration and flourishing of all people. We're going to get to that. But before we start, you may have noticed that I did not share the mission statement of Living Proof Ministries, which originally focused on women primarily. So let's start here with Beth as she lets you know what the change is to that mission statement and why. Her answer beautifully led us into today's discussion. Check it out. Thrilled. I am so happy. Tasha, I have to tell you something I think you uh-huh. might appreciate. I changed that mission statement uh, uh-huh. about probably about 10 years ago. In the very beginning, it was to encourage women to get to know Jesus Christ through the study of his word. And then, then you know, you grow up and yep. you get more exposure to the world. And I thought, you know, we need to emphasize that truly the point of Bible study yes, is to yes. actually love Jesus yes. and not just get a head full of knowledge. So yes. that ha- there's got to be a collision there of heart and mind, or it doesn't mean anything. So every time I hear someone read that, I always, I, 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 I sort of want to lift my face to the to the heavens and wink because I remember well when I changed when that. Changed because that. I, I had no idea that you could study that hard and be as mean as yes. a snake. Yes. But it is possible because I see it all the time. Yeah, you see it, and I mean, just think about. Even with some of the work that we do, like 
the people, you know, great heroes of faith that, you know, that own slaves and um, that were a part of segregation, like all of that, where it's so important, even in the work that we do when we start talking about racial justice and racial reconciliation, that is not just head knowledge, but it's heart. Like you, you're putting action to it because it's in your heart. And so I think that's just key in all of this. So that is true. Like where you see this so much. And I think that's the thing when I always say that Jesus needs new PR. <laughs> yes. yes. That's I'm a like, great way to put it. Yes. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like what Bible are we reading? What scriptures are As we As I reading? said earlier, like, Be the Bridges efforts to usher in a reconciliation are founded in biblical based principles. Listen as Beth took note of something simple her daughter said that led our discussion into an awesome direction. Exactly. You know, I, I love to quote Melissa and she said, Mother, you know, you have to be careful where you quote me on that. And I, <laughs> I know, baby, but I, I just I just love to do it. Uh-huh. She says to me every now and then, she said, you know, Mother, you just keep making the same mistake over and over. And I always know what she's going to say because she said, you assume people are actually reading their Bibles. <laughs> Exactly. And or either, you know what I think it is, Beth, some of it is that we read the Bible, you know, just within the last few years, I think there's things in scriptures that have been illuminated because we also read the Bible through our cultural lens. Yes, we do. And then when you start understanding, um, I go to a church where they really interpret the scriptures. Also, like what was happening during that time? You know, what did this mean in Eastern culture? Like, especially when you're reading Genesis, you know, and it starts like illuminating stuff for you. And I think sometimes the way we read the Bible, we try to read it literally, you know, and it's like, you have to approach it, you know, in a different way. And I think that's how, because there's no way in the world that we can kind of, you can get, this from that, you know, sometimes. Well, it's right. And here's the other thing that I keep saying over and over. Of course, Melissa is exaggerating on that. There are some <laughs> people that read, but one of the things that, that I have a very, very strong passion about is that we not just read and reread the same scriptures right. we've always read that right. you know, we, we all have our cliff note mm-hmm. version of the scriptures and yeah. because people will just go because it's, you know, it's in there, it's in the scriptures. Right. And I, if it says it, I believe it. It's like, right. that's not all it says. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You're going to have to widen your reading horizon. Right. Right. And it's so key because I think if we, really teach the word, you know, like the the work that you're doing is so key because it helps illuminate the truth of who God is to, to people who are searching, you know? And, um, and I think that's just really key in this work. And, and, and and then we like, one of the things I think that's really um, good in this, like where you talk about MJ, we were talking about Michael Jordan, but even as we talk about ourselves, like how you, you've grown in your work and in your ministry and how you shifted your, um, your mission statement to reflect that we've done the same thing with, with be the bridge, um, to kind of 
it was just so um, wide. We wanted to really be narrow yes. and specific. Yes. And so we had, we grow as individuals we have to. the same way that we grow, you know, in our, de- our spiritual development and our walking and our sanctification. And so I think it's just important um, just as one of the things that I've been watching you um, just over the last, like, I guess a couple years or so where you've always used your voice. You've always had to, um, you know, you know, knock down barriers and obstacles and all those different things. But I think um, this thing that's really standing out a lot in our community is um, watching you really use your voice as a leader um, as it relates to lifting up um, you know, gospel issues, you know, um, all gospel issues and I not just one gospel issue. What the difference was there. It took mm-hmm. me a while. You have to get past a little bit and look back. Uh-huh. But I have been bold within my sphere of influence right. for, uh, on certain subjects throughout. Boldness. Beth brings up one step in our quest for reconciliation. And that point again is boldness. There's a calling we have to be bold, which leads us as reconcilers, our bridge builders, to speak up. I love what she says here. Is that when he did and has called upon me to be really outspoken, mm-hmm. it is usually something I believe so much to my bones that I can bear the backlash. It's like, this is, it's so important to me that what comes of it is just part of it. You know, I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. But every single time it's been something that was, I mean, a core belief that it was just, no, there's no, I, there, there was not a single time that I have been really outspoken that I would have told you that I was going back on whether or not I should say it. Right. It would have have been that I could not have kept from it. And if that, if that's the case, then I can be at peace there. When, when I am not at peace, I've done this uh, uh, countless times is when I've rashly said something that was not necessarily, you know, I just said it because I just, that's sort of my opinion instead of no, one of my core convictions Mm. that I didn't know what talking about and then you know you get yourself in a lot of trouble but some of the things that you're talking about were so core so uh so in the marrow of the bone that it was uh I I could not have kept from it and so that has been that's been a blessing to me because when I go back and think I've been asked so many times do you regret this or that on those occasions, I'm able to go, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred, I would have had to do it that same way. Right, right. I, I don't know. I don't, right. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Am I right? Am I wrong? Have I lost my mind? I don't a know. All I know is a hundred times out of a hundred, if that right. had happened, I still would have reacted the same way. Right. Another step in our quest for reconciliation is compassion. As reconcilers, developing the humility to move beyond just being sympathetic to becoming more empathetic, we can't help but develop compassion. Listen to where our discussion goes from here. 
to, I'd, I'd be an idiot not to have humility about it because I have been part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So for me to disengage myself from that and cast stones at my own house, do you know what I'm saying? It would right. be, listen, I, you, you, you better believe I, I have compassion. Right. I get it, but it still is the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Right. So, uh, uh, man, I am. Uh, so because of your growth and because of, you know, where you've missed it, there's an understanding where I have to have compassion because someone had yes. compassion for me and someone yes. was patient with me. So as a leader, this this raising your voice is remembering that road that you've also traveled, right. you know, where yeah. you didn't have all the information you didn't know. Well, so approaching would, others with humility. You know, I would I would tell you that I have been on this journey my whole life long, and that's that's another story, and I'm not sure we have time for it. But I was raised in uh, Arkansas in the '60s. Oh, okay, yeah. And so I have a very long uh, history journey um, through uh, the the uh, subject that we're talking about and rampant racism and injustice. So I, it's been a, a lifelong uh, process, but I will always see things in my own life as sort of before and after my crash course. And my, okay. <laughs> my real crash course has come in the last, uh, I would say, four years. And I, I spoke, I would have spoken on it way back, way, way, way back. Once again, Beth is showing her humility. That humility leads us to yet another step we must take in our quest for reconciliation. And that step being the daunting step of recognizing blind spots. One of the best ways I know to describe it is you just took a puzzle and opened the box of a puzzle and just pitched it all over the place. Uh-huh. And then, for, and so you've got a couple of those pieces that have come together and you're doing, you know, you're responding to uh-huh. those, you know, what colors and shapes are in those few pieces and you're, you're responding to that. And I, I would say that closer to about four years ago, you know, when you say that you've seen something, you've seen things you can't unsee, that there's no way right. that you go back. <laughs> I felt that it, we hit such a, a terrifying place mm. of going the potential to move violently backwards mm-hmm. instead of forward. Not just not to make progress, yeah, but to, to move back. And I saw it in several realms. I also saw it in areas of misogyny where I thought, oh my goodness, it is not just a matter of women not being not being able to keep ground that we've made. Mm-hmm. It is a matter of losing ground. Right. Right. It's fragile. It's and fragile. It truly was. And it was so blatant and suddenly I could look across the floor. I um it it uh it puts emotion in my throat even to talk about the, the mental picture of it. I suddenly could look across the floor and see all of those pieces and all of them 
starting to move together and what enormity it had and how invasive in absolutely everything it was and how we in the church were not only participating in it, but in certain respects leading out and it was, uh, it was, it was, it was horrifying. Right. It was impossible. It was one of those things you know, where you go, don't tell me you don't see it. Right. You cannot tell me. And I still, I still feel that way today. I just, you, how do you mean you can't see Many that? stop at recognizing blind spots, but then there is another step and that is waking up. Facing the reality that we can't remain asleep to areas that are congruent to our faith as believers. This becomes sticky because waking up sometimes bleeds into waking up to what is happening politically. This can also cause a domino effect that may put your morality against your political leanings. As a reminder, faith should shape our politics, not our politics shaping our faith. Put on your seatbelts for what Beth says here. My alarm came with Trumpism. And I'd like to explain what I mean by that. And I've tried to get people to understand this. And I hope some of our listeners can can hear the nuance in this. Right. Our listeners, well, they're there too. They're traveling the same journey with you. Okay. Well, here's, here's my thing. I expected Donald Trump to be Donald Trump. And so I, I, need, I need somebody to understand it because I honestly, I expect worldly people to be worldly people. I, you know, I don't have the, it's mm-hmm. not, I, I, where my alarm came in is with Christian leaders uh, getting so wrapped up uh, in it and so, so much triumphalism in it. That's where I started getting, uh, getting extremely uh, undone and extremely worried. But it was in the crowds and the rallies. I watched as I watched on the screen mm-hmm. and I felt this, like this, this is so dangerous. Yeah. This, this kind of, The best word I know to call it is just triumphalism. What does it mean? What does what what does greatness mean? What what this whole feeling of going? Wait a second, going backwards instead of forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my goodness, what you what you need to know is I'm I, I never did think it wasn't a matter of cat that somebody that cast a vote for this uh, candidate or that candidate. I, I, I didn't vote for either candidate, Tasha. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't care for either one of them. Uh-huh. And that's just me. And I do realize there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, drawbacks to that kind of a philosophy. But I was, I was completely caught in order to stay with my convictions. I did not have mm-hmm. any way to go there. Mm-hmm. And I went third party. But I will tell you, I... It, it was the whole, the whole tone of it mm-hmm. that, and 
that was so scary to me. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wouldn't have been in everyone that cast a vote a particular way. It was in the swell. It wasn't just about the voting um, booth. It was in this swell of, of uh, popularity and almost near, um, I mean, it was nearly messianic to me. It, right. it's, mm-hmm. And what, what I, what I felt as I looked and saw the, the tone of it and all, and not just from him, but in surrounding, surrounding it, it that was my, that, that's where my crash course began. I, I saw someone say on Twitter not too long ago that you can't, you, that if you're going to be a, a Christian, you have to be, a Republican, there's no other choice for you. And, you know, here I am thinking, you know, you know what I'm going to tell you right now is that I am going to neither one of your parties. You yeah. are not going to, I am a Jesus follower. Okay. Those of us in the trenches of this movement that we know as racial reconciliation know that our biggest hurdle can be the thinking of the body of Christ, otherwise known as capital C Church. So let's hear Beth's thoughts on what should be the church's course correction. I'm talking about the church at large. Mm-hmm. We have stripped Christianity of Christ's likeness. Yes. At this, we have a whole politic that is pro-Christian that is has been separated entirely from what is actually Christ-like. Mm. And so when you pull Jesus out of it and we are no longer imitating, he says in his word, as he was in this world, we are to be in this world. When we no longer imitate the Christ of the gospels, where we see him in action, we know what he was like. We can see it. We can see it. We see it all over the scriptures, but it's so clear to us in the Gospels, this is what he cared about. These were the margins that he went to. This this was what turned him on his ear. This is what turned the tables over. This is what we can see what he was like. And so when we have this thing of that we are going to do what lifts us up instead of what puts the cross in our hands to carry, Mm. we have upset the entire thing. We traded our prophetic witness for power. Mm. We have exploited the scriptures to serve our camp interests. Mm. We have confused divine favor with being on top. We've got an idolatry problem. We got nationalism. We got misogyny. We got, I mean, it just goes on and on and on from separating out that we've somehow, I don't know how, I don't know where we came up with it. When in, in the early church, they were emulating. If there's even this scene where uh, Peter is used of God in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in a, a little girl's uh, life to, um, to bring her back. Right. And, it, he is literally even taking on the, you see him imitating even exactly how Christ did it. They were trying so hard as he lived, we live. We right. don't, we're like him, his spirit lives within us. Right. And we have to recapture that. This leads us into another step 
and our racial reconciliation journey. And that is the step of seeking repentance. I love what Beth says here. There is no shame in repentance. And I want to say that to someone. We act like we're ashamed to repent. Mm. There is nothing. There is no greater gift that the beautiful has given us besides the indwelling spirit of Christ himself than the privilege to repent. What does it hurt us to go, oh, my Lord in heaven, I was wrong here. Which one of us has never been wrong? Which one of us has never been wrong about something huge and something that hurt people to just go, man, I got this. I got this turned upside down. I have been on the wrong side of this. What what does that what what shame does that bring us? Just mm. to go, man, I I I was deceived. Mm. Um that is I just believe that uh, our relief would be in our repentance. Mm. Our, our our rest would be in our repentance. Mm. And just to be willing to do uh, what it takes to just own up and go, okay, man, we have moved so far from Christ-likeness in the church. And listen, I want to say this to Tasha. The only reason we're recognizing this is because of the mercy and grace of God showing us. So why can't we go, listen, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah. we are beginning to see it. Right. And so let's just go ahead and, and move with Christ mm. uh, and go forward. There are some messages that are best received when communicated by someone of a similar race and or cultural background. As a white woman, Beth has some very poignant thoughts she feels compelled to express to other white people. Take a listen. Uh, for my white brothers and sisters... Our mouth cannot overshoot our heart or our duplicity is going to be exposed. Did y'all catch that? Beth said. Our mouth cannot overshoot our heart or our duplicity is going to be exposed. Mm. I love uh, I love First Peter chapter one. I think I have it written down. Uh, uh, verse 13 that says, therefore get your minds ready for action by being fully sober and set your hope completely on the grace that will be revealed to you uh, when Jesus Christ is revealed, the grace that will be brought to you. And I love that because it just says, get your minds ready for action because it is. Now, I'm going to say this. I want to say very, very upfront because I, I, my cost has been this much. Mm-hmm. There have been people that have paid dearly. And so I wouldn't, I don't put myself even in the same I wouldn't even put myself in the same room with them, Mm -hmm. but it has cost a lot in comparison to the rest of my ministry. Mm -hmm. So you understand what I'm trying to to say to you is for for my experience and for my journey, it it, it doesn't compare to, to others that have paid much higher costs, but it has been jarring um, in our very real consequences uh, in uh, the ministry and uh, personally, I mean, truly financial, social, familial. And I'm so thankful to say I'm not talking about, you know, I, one of the greatest gifts that I have is I have two daughters that we we are very much three individuals, yeah. very, very different from one another. But this is a place where we 
completely see eye to eye. We have different nuances on, on it, different nuances on politics, whatever that may be. But we're, we're this is concerned, girl, we're all together. But yeah. yes, in my, in my extended family and all, yeah. And um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been something else. It's not a joke. It's yeah. not a joke in any way. But we accept our place in our lineage of faith we, we want to know when we have finished up here, it's all that's going to matter when we're there, that we, that we did the will of Christ Jesus, yeah. that we were courageous in it and bold in it. I, there's this verse when I memorized James um, that uh, just stuck out to me. James chapter 5, and it says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. This is the part that gets me. Mm-hmm. Think of how we regard as blessed those who have endured. It's so poetic and so rhythmic, we almost yeah. miss it. But let me say it again. Think yeah. of how we regard as blessed those who have endured. In other words, we're going to read all those biographies. We're, we're going to love those movies. We're going to see something like Just Mercy, and we are going to get to the end of it. We're going to go, golly. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my gosh, that was so powerful. And what James is saying is, think about that. If, if, you, if you think that you regard as blessed those who have been, be one of them. Yes. Then go, what, what's keeping you, if that's what you look and you go, man, I admire that. Why don't you become someone that someone could look to and go, man, they were courageous. I can be courageous too. Courageous too. As much as Beth was speaking at the moment to white Christians, I think that bit of wisdom she shared should lay across every nationality and cultural group. Those steps are boldness, compassion, recognition of blind spots, waking up and seeking repentance. Of course, we know these are not all the steps, but it's a good start. I can't tell you how much I love talking to author, evangelist, and leader, Beth Moore. I hope our conversation sparks more conversations among you and others to advance the journey toward true racial reconciliation. Beth's books, Bible studies, and podcasts can be found on most streaming and retail platforms as well as in bookstores. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Until next time, let's build bridges and not walls. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. Brittany Prescott was our transcriber. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production. Be The Bridge, 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 Be The Bridge.